Well, hey guys, welcome back to the Young Adult Podcast. So excited on this episode. We have our guest star, Sarah Friddle, joining us as we begin this conversation talking about stress and anxiety. Excited for you guys to check it out. All right, well, we're back in the studio, as always, with Mr. Ethan Taylor. Yes, it's good to be here. Welcome, Ethan. And Garrett. Yes, and my name's Garrett, and <laughs> we're so excited because <laughs> we have guest star Sarah Friddle joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so exciting. Fun. Very, very cool. So we're talking um, stress and anxiety today. Yeah, but before we get into that. But before we get into that. Yeah, I got to have my opening question. Dun, 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 dun. I feel like we need sound effects. Yeah, you need to be in charge of that next time. I will. <laughs> little, we'll, little computer beside you where yeah, it makes noises. We'll add in some sound effects. I like I can it. add it in in post. There we go. Um, so my opening question is this. What is your favorite restaurant to go to? Ooh. Above any other. So I, we all answer this one. We all do. So it's an all play. Mm. So anybody have their favorite restaurant offhand? Are we talking like guilty pleasure restaurant? Like you go here and you like, I hope nobody knows that like I <laughs> secretly just like go here all the time. <laughs> and then you're going to share it on the podcast so then everybody knows. Everybody knows. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, now I'm thinking like, man, this was one of the best meals or mm. favorite restaurants that you've ever been to. Mm. You're like, oh, this is really good. So I, for me, um, I think one of my favorite, oh man, like go tos mm. is like honestly, and this is so sad. This is like, I, maybe I'm becoming. I'm not from Norton, but maybe I'm becoming more wow. Nortoned, Ooh. if that's a word. Uh, is is Casa Del Mar? Like you'll yeah. find me there all the time. Mm. You just took my favorite restaurant. <laughs> did, did I really? I'm so sorry. <laughs> Any Mexican food, I'm like all all about. Mexican food's where it's at. Yes, yeah. I will eat that more than once. Mm. Sarah, is is Casa Del Mar your favorite? I love Casa Del Mar. Oh Could my you, goodness! Partially because the food is amazing. Yes, mm. authentic Mexican cuisine. Heck yeah, awesome. But also, you cannot go into Casa Del Mar without running into people you know and having fun conversations yeah. with people. And I really love that. No doubt. Yeah, I almost always go in there and see somebody from Grace. I feel like it's without Every fail. Every time. Without fail. Well, it helps that it's 15 seconds down the road. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. What What's the go to? Uh, meal that you get there mine mine's uh the mine's the rice with the chicken and the cheese on top i don't Ooh. even know what it's called but that's all it is and i yeah. love it and it's just amazing mm. Mm, i'm a fajita taco salad Ooh. girl fajita. Mm, like it's it. like a fajita that you don't have to do work for you don't have to build <laughs> yep. it that's all built for you that's mm. fair that's with fair. lots and lots of fresh guac <laughs> mm. yes Man, that's awesome. That's too good. Well, Garrett, I'm, what's your favorite restaurant? I'm going to be a little different. Okay. And I, I feel like it's against the rules to say my mother's kitchen. So it, it is. Uh, it is. Yeah. Yep. So I'm going to go with um, I love me. Love some five guys. Five guys. Like, no doubt. When I am hungry, like starving, and when I just need some good old comfort food, something that I know is going to fill me, where else do you go but five guys? Have you had their milkshakes? Yeah. Yeah, chocolate, peanut butter, extra peanut butter. There's very few milkshakes in the world that I think compare to that one. I've really? Been on, I've been on a journey to find... I don't know if you huh. know this about me, but I've, I've been on a journey to find the best chocolate, peanut butter, milkshake. Wow. And I feel like Five Guys might be it. Really? This yeah. is this is breakthrough. So we're all going to go, and we're going to try to see. I have not been to Five Guys in <gasps> probably 10 years. What? We had we went to Five Guys and had like the nastiest French fries. Oh, 
That's like the good. mushy, yeah. nasty French fries, mm. and we haven't given it another shot. Really? So since it's your favorite, maybe it's time for our family I to think try it again. The, the hard time. thing with it is it's expensive, and at least for a burger. Yeah. But see, you get more bang for your buck than I think any other like burger place. No doubt. You know what I mean? No so. doubt. It's it's a go to. The other thing about Five Guys, you walk in and like you can feel grease in the air. Yeah, that's the best way to have a burger. <laughs> <laughs> like I walk in and I can feel zits breaking out of my face. Yeah, right. The quantity You're of like, grease oh in the air. Oh my gosh! And it's we're recording this during lunchtime. And yeah, I'm feeling I'm it now. I'm hungry. A little hungry. <laughs> All right, let's jump into this, uh, Sarah. What is maybe a little bit of your story? Why would we have you talk about stress and anxiety as we get ready to jump into this? Well, I am a clinical social worker. I have been a social worker for like the last 17 years. Um, Done a lot of work with people with severe mental health um, issues, as well as worked alongside people who are struggling with different health issues and death and dying. So Mm. I've worked with a ton of people over the last 17 years Mm. through serious issues of anxiety, depression, stress, um, and lots of other issues. So. I, I don't have this question on there, so this is one of the first ones that I'm going to oh, ask you. Man. That's not, I didn't warn you ahead of time. Off the script. <laughs> but what what made you want to go into that? Um, I guess when I was in high school was the first time I ever, like, talked to the Lord about, like, God break my heart with the things that break your heart. Yeah. And that was, like, a serious prayer that shifted. I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a lot of other things. And I just was really seeking the Lord saying, where do you want me? And um, that was, I love the the uh, mission statement of social work is to help meet the basic needs of all people. Hmm. And it just feels like that's the heart of Jesus. Yeah. So that was kind of what drove me to social work. That's awesome. And then more or less fairly recently, you came to Grace Church at, on staff. You've been Absolutely. coming for years, right? Yeah, I've been around for about the last 30 years. But okay, I've been we finally on staff. wrangled you in. We finally, <laughs> they all right. wrangled me in. Yep. Um, That's right. I've been on staff since uh, September of 19. Oh, wow. Okay. I got you. So going on, is that three years? Two years? Uh, uh, how many years? Not quite I'm two. I'm not doing my math yet. <laughs> Yeah, because it's 2021. It'll be. It'll be I don't know years. what happened in 2020. 2020 <laughs> doesn't count. That That's doesn't right. count. Well, maybe yeah. what you for you it does, Sarah. You you went like nuts in 2020 in terms yeah. of all the stuff you were involved in. 2020 was uh, a big ministry around here. It's yeah. awesome. Like it felt like God brought me here at just just in the yeah in the time that having a social worker on staff was probably pretty helpful during the yeah. pandemic. No, so. honestly, it was. No doubt. I love this job because it's everything about social work and none of the paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's yep. fair. Hashtag ministry. That is, <laughs> hashtag that ministry. Is so good. Well, let's jump in here. Um, I asked you to hop on the podcast, and one of the first things I asked you is, could you talk about stress and anxiety? And I think you said they're different. Uh, are they different? Are they the same? What What is stress and anxiety? Well, stress and anxiety are certainly related. You mm-hmm. know, stress is you know, your response to things happening in your world. Right. But anxiety is this internal, like, um, struggle with things like fear, persistent um, apprehension or dread. Um, And I think when people think about stress and anxiety, they automatically assume it's bad. Like, Hmm. oh, if I'm struggling with anxiety, well, anxiety, we would be pretty lame if we didn't have any anxiety in our life. When there's... Um, huh. 
when I'm coming on a podcast, I'm going to have a little bit of that adrenaline and cortisol hit to my system. Yeah. It makes you perform better. If you got a big test coming up, hmm. you are lazy apart from um, the hormones that are stress and anxiety in your life. Huh. It drives us to perform better when we have a little bit of that um, drive or motivation in us. I got you. So we can't just assume that if I'm experiencing some levels of stress that it's a bad thing because it is a reason without a deadline i would do nothing yeah huh. yeah because a lot of us we're just built that way we don't yeah. automatically have motivation apart from some external or internal like drive that can mm -hmm. be defined as your stress or anxiety right. now would you say even i'm curious like would anxiety almost so like if i'm trying to wrap my head around this stress can be more like Outside um, uh, things affecting what's happening in me. Anxiety is more things happening inside of me that affect how I am outwardly. And stress, these external things that, that cause a lot of different feelings inside of you. Stress right. can make you angry. It can okay. make you cranky. It can get make you a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Anxiety is this really specific like feeling of dread or worry or concern. That is one of the things we experience in the periods of stress. Okay. Hmm. Uh I think that's interesting. I've never heard stress really being a good thing or anxiety being a good thing. Hmm. Would you um, – I like the way you said that about anxiety being the inward affecting the outward, yeah. and I think that makes sense of it more. Hmm. Um, do you think anxiety is more negative than stress, or are they – are they the same thing? I, I guess I'm trying to figure out, are they interchangeable words or not? Um, a lot of people, most people use them interchangeably. Okay. Uh, for the most part, when you're talking about stress, you're, people tend to, to lump it together with anxiety. But anxiety right. is definitely the more specific, like, feeling of fear or dread or specific worry. And we would lean towards that being negative. Um, or no. It's not always negative. Our okay. capacity for anxiety is actually crazy cool. When there's a threat... Yeah. If I'm being chased mm. by a bear, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I want anxiety. When we experience that feeling of anxiety, hmm. God does cool things with our brains. He get he shoots up our cortisol levels. He shoots up at adrenaline. These crazy things that happen in our brain, they happen so that we can respond in cool ways. Wow. If we didn't have anxiety, if we didn't have that that shot of those different chemicals in our brain, hmm. we wouldn't be able to perform at our best when there's a threat. Hmm. If I'm being chased by a bear, I literally, God gives us the capacity to have supernatural strength. Yeah. Like, and supernatural clarity of thought. I will know how to respond in a way that is amazingly cool. Let me give you an example. Yeah. So um, I was attacked by three pit bulls. Yeah. Crazy story. It's, it's a crazy story <laughs> but in that moment I am so grateful for the anxiety that shot supernatural strength I was able to hold on and think clearly in a way that in my normal not overly anxious brain I would not have been able to respond the same way and that mm. protected my capacity to to live and thrive yeah. wow. so it's really a cool thing when it's in balance yeah when it is out of balance, it can be awful. And how do I, I guess, how do I know when it's reaching unhealthy uh, amounts? Or how do I know when it's affecting me? Unhealthily? So when I'm feeling that sense of like, 
absolute overwhelming stress and anxiety when there's no danger present, Mm. or I'm chronically feeling on edge all the time, or it's impacting my relationships, my ability to work, and Mm. my overall like constantly feeling that, that's not normal. God gives us that shot so that we can handle danger when it comes, but he also gives us the ability to bring it back down. When it doesn't come back down hmm. is when it when it becomes a problem. And when we're chronically stressed, when there's always something dramatic happening and we hmm. live on those high levels, um, it can deeply impact us physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. Um, that's when it really becomes a problem. Okay, so 17 years of doing that kind of work, have you seen that rise? Have you seen that stay the same in people? Uh, do you feel like you're seeing more stress? I feel like we're talking about it more. Absolutely. But do you feel like you've seen it more in our world? I'm really grateful that the conversation is more socially acceptable. Yeah. Stress and anxiety have been around for a long time. Mental health struggles have existed since th- since sin came into this world. <laughs> yeah. We're finally at a place in society where we can sit at a table like this and talk about the fact that mm. mental health issues are real and that there's hope through the gospel. Mm. So I'm really grateful that we're at that place in society. Yeah, right. And I really think that the, the chronic stress of a pandemic year mm. where everything that came on the news, everything that was conversations was scary and hard and divisive mm. and difficult has heightened the overall feeling of anxiety in society. Yeah. I was thinking about this. Like, it, there's an interesting aspect of it. I'm, I'm also going a little bit off script here. But it seems as if, like, I'm, I'm, ta- I'm pulling from personal experience. Because like you said, like, each of us have had moments of, like, kind of stress, anxiety. It's Bible camp week here at Grace. <laughs> like, holy cow, it's a little bit insane right it's now. a little crazy. But, like, I, I think about that where it's, like, I, I'm curious what you have to say as far as like the the mental to physical sort of spectrum. Like, where does it start bridging? Because I think it like naturally, if I'm, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It starts in a mental state, but it eventually can start to affect you physically. Like, what does that look like, and how does like I, I guess how can we diagnose like how that's affecting us in like our everyday life? Like when it goes into that chronic sort of state and more the negative side. Yeah, when we're experiencing really high levels of chronic stress, it does crazy things to our bodies and crazy things to our emotions. Mm-hmm. I mean, raises your blood pressure, makes you unable to sleep, unable to eat normally, um, headaches, um, body aches. Your whole body has that just. overwhelming tension and that is not a healthy place to be in that's when um you need to address it in in some way whether that if it's at the point where it's impacting your life impacting your relationships impacting your ability to work Mm. go to school function within normal range i know Mm. that's a clinical term but to be functional within normal range that's when you really really need to address it professionally Mm. Um, if that's something that you can't bring down, um, there are of course things that you should be doing, um, just to overall level, lower your level of stress, eating right, exercising, um, journaling, deep Mm. breathing. There's great ways that we can work on bringing it down, but if we can't bring it down normally, it's time to talk to a doctor and it's time to consider talking to a therapist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to ask, uh, 
I feel like maybe young adults um, can finally put the vocabulary, maybe maybe even high schoolers start putting the vocabulary around what they're feeling. And so stress and anxiety, it's like, oh, man, it's rising then because we know how to describe it a little bit better. What would you tell a young adult that's like, man, I just feel uh, this chronic anxiety, uh, even if maybe they're not. Maybe they just feel it in the moment. Um, and Maybe that's two different questions that I'm asking. What would you tell a young adult that comes to you, Sarah, and it's like, I just feel so anxious right now in my finances, relationships, uh, my life. I just, life's falling apart. What do I do? Well, I would say, first of all, um, absolutely talk to, talk to your friends, talk to your, um, mentors, talk to the, the people who are helping with young adults, but Mm. not more than you're talking to Jesus. Mm. God gives us hope. He, he tells us, he promises us that he's present for those who are anxious. I think about passage after passage, like Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything, mm. but in everything. It's, he doesn't just say, don't be anxious. He right. gives you a, and here's the plan. Mm-hmm. But with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, that means choosing gratitude, not focusing on all the horrible things or focusing on how much the stress level is there, but with thanksgiving, present your request to God. He promises to be present in it. So I'd, I, I'd want them to, if, if you're a young adult struggling with anxiety, reach out to Ethan, reach out to Garrett, have those conversations, but f- let's first talk to Jesus. Right. Um, lots of other ways that you can help address that. These passages, um, you know, like that one I just quoted, or f- 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Write down all the passages you can possibly mm-hmm. think of on it for anxiety and post them. If every time you open your school computer, you feel anxious about school, you need to post some Jesus words on that computer mm-hmm. to remind you that he is present in it and that he loves you through it. Yeah, that's so good. I, th- I think that's like so powerful, like kind of keeping reminders around yourselves. Like Even as you're talking, I'm thinking... I can't remember the exact, I think it's Matthew 6 where Jesus is talking to his followers. I could be wrong. I, I know it's in that realm where Jesus, you know, says, don't be in, like, let tomorrow worry for itself. Mm-hmm. Don't be anxious about what tomorrow holds and stuff. And he talks about the birds of the air. Like, you know, they neither sow nor reap, but yet your father in heaven, you know, cares yeah, for them. He loves a bird like that. Uh, yeah. Holy moly, how much more does he love and right. care about all of the things that you're thinking? Exactly. Yeah. I, I love that sort of practicality of like you know, finding hope in God and stuff. I think about that even, I'm sorry, I'm like, I'm re- this stuff is like really like, I love this sort of stuff. I love this, but I was even thinking about like, it's funny, I'm going to be that classic worship leader that gets a tattoo on their arm, like of like some Hebrew word. But like, I know for something for me is like getting, I want to get a manual on my arm because that's like the hardest thing for me to remember sometimes even leading worship. And that causes me anxiety of like, where is God at in this? Where's like, like I need to make sure that I'm present here in the moment and keeping it like on the, my, my like wrist. So anytime I look down at my guitar, I see that. And it's like that reminder. So you mentioning that, I think it's huge. Yeah, and what is so important about that is we choose our thoughts. We can choose to have our emotions drive the way we think. Mm. Or we can choose to let the gospel and the truth of what God says about us to drive how we think. Our thoughts are a choice. Mm. I can choose to perseverate 
fancy clinical word for Ooh. just like go on and on and on and on about all the hard things in my life. Yeah. That's not helpful for anyone. Mm. Or I can choose to rest in the God who loves me more than anything and who I can cast my cares upon. That doesn't mean that if you chronically struggle with anxiety that you don't seek help and treatment. Right. It just means part of that needs to be trusting and resting in the character of God who loves you more than anything in the whole universe. I think that's powerful because I think most of the time, uh, even for myself, you uh, almost accept your thoughts or let your brain run mm. on autopilot uh, and knowing like catching yourself in the moments where you're running on autopilot mm. and going, okay, I'm going to, rather than just accept my thoughts, I'm going to lead or direct my thoughts. Absolutely. And I love Philippians 4.8. Yeah. Yeah. It tells us what to think about. <laughs> whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, think on these things. Right. It does not say whatever is hard and discouraging and anxiety producing yeah. and sad and awful and dreadful mm -hmm. and all these things dwell on those. He gives us a list of what to dwell on and that is not on the list. doesn't mean we shouldn't acknowledge that there is sadness and there are hard things in our hearts. He just doesn't want us to live stuck mm. in just the hard things. Yeah. So, um, I think about when I was in college and the school, like school ramps up, papers I'm having to write. Uh, financially, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. there's uh, debt rising or things like that. Um, and it feels like, okay, let me try and do as much as I can to give, solve all the issues today. Um, what would you say uh, are ways, and you've touched on it already, I think, but if there's anything else you'd add to like release some of that stress that you're feeling or release some of that anxiety that you're feeling? Um, certainly there are things that you can do to, to overall lower that chronic stress, even the chemical levels in your brain. There are beautiful ways that the Lord allows us that actually chemically bring us to a point where we can, can function a little bit better. Things like um, exercise, eating right, having a really good schedule mm -hmm. that builds in margin like if we're just running, 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 and we don't take time to fill up our spiritual tank, spend time with Jesus, mm. pray, have social relationships, follow a really good schedule that brings some balance to our lives. Mm. Um, and then when things do ramp up, there are simply breathing deeply and intentionally. I know it feels like a... A therapisty thing to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're going to get that from me. Um, <laughs> deep breathing, like taking time to just breathe in with a count of four, hold it, and breathe out with a count of four. That literally kind of resets those neural pathways in your brain so that you can think at a calmer pace. There's also a really cool exercise that um, you can just YouTube a video. Of call, it's called progressive muscle relaxation. When you feel your body just living in this really high tension, mm -hmm. it's an exercise that literally you you tense and release the muscles progressively in your body, and it has that crazy cool calming effect to your brain, which mm -hmm. I love. I'm all about brain science. It, it excites <laughs> me. But right. it's called progressive muscle relaxation. 
pull up a YouTube video. They're, it's not weird and it's not like, like evil, trippy. spiritually like, trippy. <laughs> um, but it it's a it's just a clinical technique to calm some of those really high tensions in your body. Hmm. So, um, what if God feels very distant in the moment of my stress and anxiety, and I feel like, man, I'm reading the Bible, it's just not clicking the way it used to. I'm praying, it feels like he's far off, I'm not getting much of a response. What would you say to a young adult facing that? It's a tough one. Um, I would say, run to him. Even if you feel like he's not present, run to him. Sit at his feet. Even if it feels hard, do the work of sitting sitting in prayer. Do the work of ex- deeply examining your heart. Is there something that you're trying you're trying to control? Because hmm. sometimes anxiety is simply based on I'm trying to control all these things in our lives. We're not made to control those things. Hmm. We're made to give them to Jesus. Set them at his feet, run to him, and then run to community. Don't take, I'm really, really stressed out as a cop out for not showing up to young adults. When you're really, really stressed out, where do you need to be? You need to be at young adults. (laughs) Why? Because that's community. God calls us to community. He tells us, to not forsake the, f- the gathering together of believers. That's not because he wants to control our schedules. <laughs> it's because that's how he r- reminds us that he's present. He puts people in our lives to remind us that we're not alone. He puts people in our lives that we can help, that can help us to cast our cares on him, who can point us to Jesus. Yeah. It's not one more thing to add to your already busy schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so good. Like, I'll ask people occasionally, uh, a lot, actually. Yeah. It's like, oh, man, I haven't seen you in a little while. I miss you. Oh, the biggest response I get is, oh, I've been so busy. Like, work's crazy right now. And I'm always like, I get it. Like, I totally do. I get crazy busy, too. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm like, I don't know how I function without my group. Like, I just, yeah. I'm like, I need this, like, right. as much as. Yeah. You know. Well, it, it even makes me think, like, I, I guess... I guess the, a question I have is like, what would you say to the person that maybe, um, like, I, I think we all go through these seasons of like with anxiety and stress and just like the craziness of life of like, well, I maybe don't feel comfortable going to these groups and even talking about it with anybody because nobody gets what I'm walking through. Like, what would you say to the person? Because I, I think, I mean, a lot of us, like, I mean, each situation I think every person in is unique in one way or another but there's also that fear of like well nobody gets it so why would I go and talk to them why would I go and seek out because nobody gets what I'm walking through because I think that could probably be a a deterrent to like go to a young adult on a Sunday night and be like well they don't they just don't get it what would we say to that to that person I would say very first of all I keep saying it I'm gonna say it again make sure you're talking to the one who gets it right when we think about the fact that Jesus came to earth and he went through the most stressful of all the things. Yeah. I mean, when we look in, in the gospels, it tells us that the stress of him heading to the cross, he Mm. was so stressed out that he was sweating blood. Mm -hmm. Like he has experienced, there is not one 
of us who would ever experience the kind of stress or tension right. that Jesus has. So as long as we're first taking it there, and guess what? Nobody is experiencing exactly the same kind of stress issue. Nobody. Like, my stresses are unique. Your stresses are unique. That doesn't mean you can't relate with empathy to what I'm feeling. I don't expect you, Garrett, to understand the stress of raising teenagers. Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) I'm raising teenagers. It's stressful. (laughs) I can say to you, man, like the stress of raising teenagers is, is sometimes feels overwhelming. Yeah. And you can say, I can imagine that that would be overwhelming. Yeah. That's kind. I'm not telling you, you need to know what the stress of raising teenagers feels like. Yeah. But my saying it, there's a release in being known, Hmm. being known by our Lord first, but being known and seen by others. Hmm. And there's a release that comes in that, just knowing that there's somebody else who's hearing and helping to bear your burdens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Stress, I think, uh, are, are stress and depression, can those be linked or related? Oh, absolutely. If you ima- if you think about chronically living in a state where where you're perseverating on things that are hard, that's depressing. Hmm. That will lead you to really dark places and can be really scary places. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they are they are very often linked. They're not the same thing, but they are very often linked. And depression is not having a bad day. Right. Depression is not feeling blue. When somebody dies, you feel sad. That's not depression. It's not, I feel like sitting in my pajamas for a few days because I'm lacking mm-hmm. motivation. That, you know what we call that? We call that normal. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> there are Rainy days. Rainy day like today, you just want to curl up in a I blanket. I just want to and... curl up and, and watch Netflix <laughs> for hours at a time. That's not depression. Yeah. It, it becomes Formally, I'll give you some clinical information because that's just the nerdy person I am. Depression becomes depression when somebody, when it impacts several areas of their life, when it impacts their sleep, they're sleeping too much or not enough, when they lose interest in things that were previously interesting to them, Mm -hmm. when they feel an overwhelming sense of guilt, when they have either hyper energy or very little energy, have a hard time concentrating, when their appetite is impacted either they feel like eating all the time or not eating enough at all um something called psychomotor retardation it's a fancy nerdy word for our just our overall reflexes are actually slowed down we just have that kind of lethargic um response and then suicidality or thoughts of wishing that they weren't around anymore those things any combination of those things that lasts greater than 14 days and impacts um areas of your life like work, uh, relationships, school, those things are what make it a a clinical depression Mm. that really when those things are happening, you need to see a doctor, talk to a therapist about what some treatment options might be. Yeah. Um, Wow, go go there with me. Um, the, The person who is feeling uh, thoughts of suicide you brought that up Mm -hmm. Uh, what would you tell them in this moment oh that you are important I think in our depression when we're experienced periods of depression 
we forget how very valuable and important that we are. You matter. You have a place here. God put you together with a plan and a purpose, and you need to be here. If you are getting to the point where you feel like you don't want to be here anymore, you have to reach out. I want you to call Ethan. I want you to call Garrett. I want you to call me. I want you to call the suicide hotline. You are important. You cannot let yourself feel like God does not have a purpose for you here. Yeah, I would 100% echo that. Yeah. Um, so how how in the world, if, I, if I'm faced with some level of depression um, or some season of depression, how do I navigate that? Um, how do, are there things I can do and then maybe the extreme is uh, extreme or the, the reality is I need to go see someone uh, clinically like therapist or um, just like we talked about with anxiety yeah there's so much that we can do with challenging our thoughts hmm. sometimes depression is just all day long challenging your thoughts I'm thinking the very worst let me back up and think what would a friend say about this? Would they see this, see it the same perspective? Huh. Because that will shift the way that we think. Is my thinking on these different things, is it just distorted thinking? Do I think that everything is always bad or things never go right? Back that train up and look at what's real. Yeah, sometimes that thing happens that's bad. But it's not always bad. So, so much of that um, I love um, cognitive behavioral therapy. That's the kind of the, the basic therapy that, lo- that most people learn when they're studying counseling. And all that means is you cognitively, in your brain, choose the way you think about things. And your behaviors and your emotions follow. The train is driven by the truth, the truth of the gospel. It's not driven by your emotions. Your emotions don't choose your thoughts. Your emotions come after your thoughts. The truth of who God is, the truth of the fact that he loves me, I'm fearfully, wonderfully made with a plan and a purpose, that drives the way I think. I can't let my circumstances or my feelings be the driver of that bus. Hmm. And that is, I mean, we do that by reading scripture and dwelling on what God says. We do that by challenging those irrational thoughts. We do that by reaching out to friends, not friends that are just going to join us in our misery. Hmm. We all have those friends <laughs> who, when things are dark, they're going to find something darker. Yeah. But we also have those relationships. When things are dark, they're going to wrap their arm around you and tell you that there's still light. Hmm. Wow. And seeking those kind of relationships in the midst of our darkest moments, those are super powerful. But when it's when it's really dark and those things that I talked about with, the, you know, the lack of sleep, lack of energy, feel, overwhelming feelings of guilt, all those things, when they are weighing you down to the point where you cannot function in your day to day life, it's time to, to reach out to your doctor or a, another mental health professional. Mm-hmm. In addition we also need to look at our lives. Sometimes our depression is caused by unaddressed sin in our lives. What do you mean? 
So if I know that I have done something inappropriate um, and I have not addressed it, I have not repented, mm-hmm. I've not sought to restore broken relationships, those things weighing on your heart and your mind will lead you to a dark place. Mm, wow. And so s- addressing the sin issues that exist is really, it's a powerful thing. Sometimes if we feel like we're getting depressed, sometimes all we really need to do is seek repentance. And it's amazing how li- how much lighter our hearts feel. Mm. Wow. That's a fascinating thing right there even, because I know like we talk about sin, like the very nature of it is it separates us from God. Mm-hmm. And if you let that separation linger, it's no wonder sometimes it feels like we're distant from God and it feels like our prayers aren't even reaching him. And so like you saying that, like, I don't know, that just kind of clicked for me where it's like, yeah, no wonder, because you're letting that sin linger, and the very nature of sin is it's causing separation. And so if it goes left unchecked, as you are talking about, it's only going to drive that wedge between you and your relationship with God even farther. Absolutely. When you think about that, if Garrett, I got an issue with you that we're not addressing. Right. That sin separates me not only from God, but from you. Yeah. So then I get to a real isolated. That makes a lot of sense to me. Right. Wow. Wow. And the one other thing that sometimes leads to anxiety or depression is an inappropriate view of God. Hmm. If I see God as um, a controlling judge who's just looking at me, looking for things to be wrong, um, you know, wanting to strike me with, Mm -hmm. you know, with consequences and his anger and his wrath, if that's my perception of God, I'm always going to feel unworthy. So I think sometimes we also need to correct. God is loving. He is kind. He's compassionate. He's holy, and he don't put up with crap. Yeah. But he is kind. Mm. He is not mean. He's not awful. He loves us, and he wants to be our comforter. He promises us in his word that he is near to the brokenhearted. That's so good. That is incredible. That is so good. Um. I don't know if you'd add anything to this question, but how does the gospel offer hope in the midst of anxiety, depression, stress? Hmm. Well, when we're living, um, when we're living for ourselves, then our performance, like I got to be perfect. I got to do all the right things. Um, that's anxiety producing. Yeah. But when I'm living for an audience of one, I'm living to serve the God who loves me and cares about my burdens and cares about my, my heart and cares about all the things, Mm. but he's not mean. Like I talked about the character. When you really Mm. embrace that Jesus, he's going to comfort our hearts. When you know that this world and this shenanigan that's happening, I don't don't know. The world feels a little nuts right now. Yeah. This is not our home. Yeah, Yeah, we got craziness happening here on earth. But we also have an eternity that we're actually living for that's beautiful beyond what we could ever comprehend. Yeah. It shifts our perspective on anxiety. It shifts our perspective on the stresses of today because that's not all there is. As you're talking, I'm like, wow. Um, Is there a... Um, I want to figure out how to phrase it. Is there almost an 
a way that we show Jesus to others by how we handle stress and anxiety. Oh, absolutely. Our response based on how loved we are will be evident to the world. Hmm. Our response to hard things, that doesn't mean if you're going through a hard thing poorly that God hates you. Yeah. But how we navigate garbage in our lives, yeah. it, it, it just matters. It matters to how people see the God who lives within us. I'm thinking of, uh, I think it's Brother Lawrence who says the non-anxious presence yeah. mm-hmm. of like in a world that is so anxious right now and anxiety's risen over the past two years, year and a half, or however long it's been. <laughs> been longer than that, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But and I'm a little older than y'all. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a few more life experiences yeah. that I can look back with a perspective and go, Wow. My darkest moments. I've been through some dark stuff. Yeah. I lost two brothers to suicide about 10 years ago. Um, and those were dark days for me. But I look back on the other side of it 10, 11 years later, and I can see God did so much in and through me in my darkest moments that darkness doesn't feel so dark anymore. Like the growth and the ways that he held and comforted me in my darkest moments, I didn't feel it then. But sitting on the other side of it, I see how 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 he cared for me in my darkest moments. Right. I see how he grew me, how he was super present, and how I, how I know him so much more intimately because I sat with him in, I, in my darkness. Uh I think of two other questions that aren't on this. Um, I appreciate you sharing that, by the way. Um, if I'm a friend of somebody who's going through it, how what, what words of comfort can I give them? I would say, first of all, don't have too many words. <laughs> yeah. If someone's sitting in a really dark place... Just be present. Mm-hmm. Just be there. Never say, I know exactly what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Because you don't. Yeah. But I hear you. I'm praying for you. That can, I'm praying for you can feel really trite sometimes when you're saying it. And I don't do it tritely. Really get on them knees. Mm. Because Jesus is the only one that can drag them out of the dark. So get on your knees and truly do the the heart work of deeply praying for someone in a, in a dark place. And then just be present. Those are the most valuable things that you can do. If someone can't get out of bed, show up with a meal. Right. If someone is feeling like their life is not worth living and they're considering suicide, you make the call to the suicide hotline. You seek help for them. Mm. If somebody's verbalizing those things, they need help. Yeah. So as, as the, the kindness of a friend, it is not breaking their confidences if you save someone's life. Mm. Wow. At all expense, you save someone's life. Yeah. Sarah, is there any other advice after all of what we talked about that you are dying to share? Woo. <laughs> um, I would say this. Anytime we're talking about mental illness, 
I would say that it's really important to remember that God never defines or sees people as an illness. You might have a chemical imbalance in your brain that impacts the way you think, but your chemical is not your character and that it is never a sin to be sick. And there's no shame at all in taking meds or seeing a psychiatrist. You are never defined by your mental health struggles. You're not an illness. You're not a disorder. Mental health struggles, anxiety, depression might be part of your story, um, but God's not intimidated by that. You are a child of God. You are wholly loved. You're cherished. You're accepted by God. Um, and he, re- he really longs to reveal his compassion to you hmm. in the midst of it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I'm so grateful for you sharing that. Yeah. I mean, that was awesome. Yeah. That was so good. It's so good to be here. Yeah. So. I'll, I'll say this. Yeah, I think it's great having you here. And I'd say for whoever's listening to this, this I've said this about a few podcasts. This is one I'd say go back through, kind of double click on, because um, I think, Sarah, you brought a lot of gold in this conversation that um, I think this is a, a conversation to keep coming back to, because I think there are always seasons that we walk through different times and struggles that it's good to be reminded, not only that this is real, but that there is a God who loves us in the midst of it. Absolutely. I think that's the greatest thing to kind of take away from this, from what you shared. So I'm grateful, Sarah. Ethan, any closing thoughts? That's it, man. I love it. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for being here. Guys, we'll catch you on the next episode. <laughs>